Hello, and welcome to this audio edition of Philip Husher's program notes for upcoming concerts by the Chicago Symphony Orchestra. I'm Rich Caporal. Concerts by the CSO on Thursday, October 6th through Saturday the 8th feature Ricardo Modi directing a program including the Chanson Modi, the Accursed Huntsman by César Franck, and Mozorsky's Pictures from an Exhibition in the Orchestration by Maurice Ravel. Here are Philip Pusher's program notes on The Accursed Huntsman by César Franck. The work lasts about 15 minutes. César Franck matured as a composer very late in life, but he first won acclaim as a child prodigy. He was born in Liège in the French-speaking Walloon district of the Netherlands. This heritage was reflected in the mixture of French and Flemish in his name. Early on, he showed unusual musical talent, which his father, Nicolas Joseph, set about nurturing, promoting, and finally exploiting. César made his first tour as a virtuoso pianist at the age of 11, traveling throughout the newly formed kingdom of Belgium. His specialty was playing variations on popular opera themes a la Liszt. Having outgrown the Liège Conservatory, two years later, César moved to Paris with his entire family in tow for advanced study. When the Paris Conservatory initially rejected his application because of his Belgian birth, Nicolas Joseph sent for French naturalization papers. César was an exemplary student, and he walked off with many top prizes. He was always interested in composing, but his father discouraged him from entering the prestigious Prix de Rome competition in the hope that he would devote his life to concertizing. Nicolas Joseph even pulled César out of school in 1842 to send him off on another recital tour, which was highlighted by a meeting with Franz Liszt, who encouraged him to keep composing. Franck next won fame as an organist and a composer of organ music. His impassioned organ improvisations were greatly celebrated. Then, in middle age, he devoted himself to teaching and, in the process, influencing an entire generation of French composers, including Ernest Chanson, who were nearly idolatrous in their devotion. Like Bruckner, with whom he has sometimes been compared, Franck came into his own as a composer late in his career. His major works, the Symphony in D minor, the Violin Sonata, and the Piano Quintet, the Symphonic Variations, and several symphonic poems were all composed between 1880 and 1890, the last decade of his life. He was 60 years old when he wrote Le Chausseau Maudit, his most popular symphonic poem. Le Chausseau Maudit, the Accursed Huntsman, was inspired by a ballad by the 18th century writer Gottfried August Berger. The story is neatly summarized in Franck's score. It was Sunday morning. In the distance there sounded the joyous ringing of bells and the religious chants of the crowd. Sacrilege! The savage Count of the Rhine has sounded his horn. Hallo! Hallo! The hunt takes its course over grain fields, over meadow and moor. Stop! Count, I beg you! Take care! No! and the chase goes hurtling on its way like a whirlwind. All of a sudden, the Count finds himself alone. His horse is loath to go further. The Count blows into his horn, but it will not sound again. A voice, dismal, implacable, curses him. Sacrilegious man, it cries, be forever hunted by hell itself. 
Then the flames leap up in all directions. The Count, seized by terror, flees. Faster, always faster, pursued by a pack of demons, by daytime across abysses, at midnight through the air. Franck's music brilliantly illustrates the tale with hunting horns and church bells at the beginning, a frantic chase scene in the middle, and a demonic curse from the trombones and tuba at the end. Despite, or perhaps because of, its brilliant coloristic effects and thrilling narrative thrust, Le Chausse Maudit was never a favorite of Franck's own students, chanson included, who were more attracted to his forward-looking ideas and his less picturesque works. But it was an immediate hit with the public. It was performed often during the early decades of the Chicago Symphony. The orchestra played it for the first time only a month after it received its U.S. premiere in Cincinnati. But in the past 50 years, this work, like many characteristic products of the Romantic era, has been unfairly overlooked. Program notes by Philip Husher on The Accursed Huntsman by César Franck. And now on to Mussorgsky's Pictures from an Exhibition in the Orchestral Version by Maurice Gravel. The work lasts about 35 minutes. When Victor Hartmann died at the age of 39, Little did he know that the pictures he left behind, the legacy of an undistinguished career as artist and architect, would live on. The idea for an exhibition of Hartmann's work came from Vladimir Stasov, the influential critic who organized the show in St. Petersburg in the spring of 1874. But it was Modest Mussorgsky, so shocked at the unexpected death of his dear friend, who set out to make something of this loss. Why should a dog, a horse, a rat have life, he is said to have asked, paraphrasing King Lear, and creatures like Hartmann must die. Stasov's memorial show gave Mussorgsky the idea for a suite of piano pieces that depicted the composer roving through the exhibition, now leisurely, now briskly, in order to come closer to a picture that had attracted his attention and at times sadly thinking of his departed friend. Mussorgsky worked feverishly that spring, and by June 22, 1874, pictures from an exhibition was finished. Mussorgsky may well have had an inflated impression of Hartmann's artistic importance, as friends often do, but these pictures guaranteed Hartmann a place in history that his art alone could never have achieved. There's no record of a public performance of pictures in Mussorgsky's lifetime, and the composer didn't even play the work on his extensive 1879 concert tour, perhaps finding it too personal for the stage. It was left to Rimsky-Korsakov, the musical executor of Mussorgsky's estate, to edit the manuscript and bring pictures to the light of day. The thought of orchestrating pictures evidently never occurred to Mussorgsky, but it has intrigued musicians ever since his death, and over the years several have tried their hand at turning Mussorgsky's black-and-white pieces into full color. The earliest was that of Rimsky-Korsakov student Mikhail Tushmalov, conducted and most likely improved by the teacher himself. The Chicago Symphony's first performances in 1920 were of this version. In 1915, Sir Henry Wood, an eminent British conductor, produced a version that was popular until Maurice Ravel unveiled his orchestration in 1922. 
Although Ravel worked from the same Rimsky-Korsakov edition of pictures that Tushmalov and Wood used, he had tried without success to find a copy of Mussorgsky's original, which wasn't published until 1930, his orchestral version far outstrips theirs in the brilliance of its colors and its sheer ingenuity. Ravel was already sensitive to Mussorgsky's style from his collaboration with Igor Stravinsky on an edition of Kovanchina in 1913, and since most of his own orchestral works started out as piano scores, the process of transcription was second nature to him. Ravel remained as faithful as possible to the original. Only in the final Great Gate of Kiev did he add a few notes of his own to Mussorgsky's. The success of Ravel's edition inspired still further efforts, including one by Leopold Stokowski that was popular for many years. The Chicago Symphony played it as recently as 1998. Mussorgsky's pictures also has been rescored for rock band, brass ensemble, acoustic guitar, massed accordions, and even rearranged for solo piano by Vladimir Horowitz, essentially a piano transcription of Ravel's orchestration, a translation of a translation. In other words, Horowitz's pictures are far removed stylistically from Mussorgsky's. But Ravel's orchestration remains the best-known guide to Mussorgsky's picture collection. Mussorgsky chose 11 of Hartmann's works for his set of piano pieces. He owned the sketches of Samuel Goldenberg and Schmöhle, which were combined in one picture. Most, though not all, of the other works were in Stasov's exhibition. Some of the original pictures have since disappeared. Of the 400 Hartmann works exhibited, less than 100 have come to light. Only six of those in Mussorgsky's score can be identified with certainty. Mussorgsky referred to pictures as an album series, implying a random, ad hoc collection of miniatures. But the score is a coherently designed whole, organized around a recurring theme and judiciously paced to progress from short pieces to a longer, majestic finale, creating a kind of crescendo effect like that of Schumann's Carnival. Mussorgsky had no use for the conventional forms of the earlier classical masters, I am not against symphonies, he once wrote, just symphonists, incorrigible conservatives. We don't know when Mussorgsky settled on the overall layout of his picture series, but a letter he wrote to Stasov suggests that he had worked on at least the first five in order and apparently had the entire set in mind when he started. Mussorgsky begins with a promenade, which takes him into the gallery and later accompanies him as he walks around the room, reflecting a change in mood from one picture to another. Despite his considerable girth, Mussorgsky apparently was a fast walker. The promenade is marked Allegro rather than Andante, Italian for walking, and Mussorgsky was precise in his tempo markings. We begin with Nomus. Hartmann's drawing, which has since been lost, was for a Christmas tree ornament, a kind of nutcracker, a gnome into whose mouth you put a nut to crack, according to Stasov's commentary in the catalog. Mussorgsky's music, with its awkward leaps, bizarre harmonies, and slippery melodies, suggests the gnome's droll movements and savage shrieks. 2. The Old Castle 
Two drawings of medieval castles are listed in the catalog, both sketched while Hartmann was in France, just before he met Mozarsky. The music gives song to the troubadour standing in front of the castle. Mozorsky's melody, which Ravel memorably gives to the alto saxophone, is clearly indebted to Russian folk music, despite the providence of the castle. 3. Tuileries Hartmann lived in Paris long enough to get to know the famous park with its squabbling children and their nurses. 4. Bidlo Stasov describes a Polish wagon, Bidlo is Polish for cattle, drawn by oxen. Although Mussorgsky wanted the piece to begin fortissimo, right between the eyes, as he told Stasov, Rimsky-Korsakov switched to a pianissimo opening, followed by a crescendo to create the illusion of the approaching cart and the tread of hooves. 5. Ballet of the Chicks in Their Shells Hartman designed costumes for a ballet, Trilby, in 1871, the music depicts a scene where a group of little boys and girls, pupils of the theater school, dressed as canaries, scampered on the stage. Some of the little birds were wearing over their dresses big eggshells resembling breastplates. 6. Samuel Goldenberg and Schmuller Mussorgsky owned these two drawings entitled A Rich Jew in a Fur Hat and A Poor Jew, to which he gave proper names. Hartmann, whose wife was Polish, visited Sandomierz in southern Poland in 1868. There, he painted scenes and characters in the Jewish ghetto, including these two men as well as Bidlo. Mussorgsky begins with the commanding Goldenberg. Ravel makes Schmüller's whining reply wonderfully grating. 7. The Marketplace at Limoges Hartmann did more than 150 watercolors of Limoges in 1866, including many genre pictures. In the margin of his score, Mussorgsky brings the scene to life. Great news! M. de Poissonjeau has just recovered his cow. Madame de Remonsac has just acquired a beautiful new set of teeth, while Monsieur de Pantalion's nose, which is in his way, is as much as ever the color of a peony. 8. Catacombs. Sepulchrum Romanum. Hartmann, a friend and a guide with a lamp, explore underground Paris. To their right, in Hartmann's watercolor, is a pile of skulls. Promenade. Con mortuis in lingua mortua. At the end of Catacombs, Mussorgsky penciled in his manuscript Con mortuis in lingua mortua with the dead in a dead language, signaling the start of this mournful rendition of the promenade. 9. The Hut on Fowl's Legs, Baba Yaga. Hartman sketched a clock of bronze and enamel in the shape of the hut of the witch Baba Yaga. Mussorgsky concentrates not on the clock, but on the child-eating Baba Yaga herself, who, according to Russian folk literature, lived deep in the woods in a hut on hen's legs, which allowed her to rotate to confront each approaching victim. Incidentally, Stasov's first impression of Hartman was of him dressed as Baba Yaga at a masked ball in 1861. 10. The Great Gate of Kiev Hartmann entered this design in a competition for a gateway to Kiev that was ultimately called off for lack of funds. 
Hartman modeled his gait on the traditional headdress of Russian women, with the belfry shaped like the helmet of Slavonic warriors. Mussorgsky's piece, with its magnificent climaxes and pealing bells, finds its ultimate realization in Ravel's orchestration. Program notes by Philip Husher on the Ravel orchestration of Mussorgsky's Pictures from an Exhibition. My name is Rich Caparella. Thanks for listening. Thank <laughs> you.